All right. Welcome to Eureka Thinker Talk, where we chat with thinkers who are turning ideas into reality. This show is powered by Baron Fig, a company making tools for thinkers. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and today I'm here with Claude Silver, Chief Heart Officer at VaynerMedia, public speaker, emotional optimist, heart leader, and mom. Claude, thanks for joining Thinker Talk. It's a pleasure, as always, to be speaking with you. So great to see you, Mark. So, so great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we should jump in. I'd love to know, what is an emotional optimist? You got it. So an emotional optimist for me is, well, actually, it's you. It's, oh, well, thank you. It's someone that is able to take the emotions of life, take the pitfalls, take the potholes, not negate them, to say hello to them, to understand them, to set them aside, and then to know that tomorrow will be a better day. Oh, I love that. It literally is... It's, it's allowing us and reminding ourselves that we have the ability to reframe our thinking and reframe our thoughts, even if they are negative or troubling or worrisome. Look, that's the human condition. But I, I am an optimist and I have, I have deep emotion. And I think the two things can exist, uh, can coexist, I should say. So certainly not toxic positivity or painting pink on every single window you see at <laughs> And if you know me, that's definitely not something I do. Yeah. But it's really to uh, to acknowledge and then to say, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a better day. I love it. Well, and it, it well said, first of all, and I think secondly, makes sense based on the position you hold or essentially created with, with Gary. It's funny because, we, I mean, we've met or have known each other for a few years now. And I remember when we first spoke the idea of a chief heart officer was like very foreign, right? And I mean, it's probably still is to a certain degree right now, but I've definitely heard the the title being thrown around a little bit more. So I'm curious from, from your perspective, who's someone who kind of came in and pioneered this, like how to the show's theme, like how did, how did that come about? How did it go from idea to reality? And here you are, you know, leading 800 plus employees at Vayner. Yeah. And you know what? I'm so glad you asked because if anyone knows Gary, you know that he is an incredible thinker and executor. He is a creative. Yeah. I remember the day that we were decide we were um, trying to get him to understand what strategy was <laughs> for a while. You know, our friend Justine Bloom and I were trying to get him to understand what strategy was, what strategy was. And he couldn't get it. And one day it just clicked. Oh, he's a strategist. And we have to say, it's, it's actually you. It's the way in your brain you are collecting data. You are looking for patterns. You are creating stories and then coming out with, okay, this is the direction I want the company to go into, or I'm going to brand something like this. So the reason I bring that up is because once upon a time, I worked at VaynerMedia and I was the uh, senior vice president. I was running client service. I was Gary's first senior hire. I had lost the love of advertising. I had lost the work that was involved in getting campaigns out the door. And I told him that. And he said to me, what is it that you want to do? And I said, I only care about people. I only care about the heartbeat of this place. And he said, okay, one day you and I are going to write a book called The Heart Manifesto. Hmm. 
And then he said, I need you to stay at this job for 18 more months. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And I gave him six more months. I found a backfill. He called me. We went to breakfast and he said, that's it. You're coming back as chief heart officer. So he took, I only care about the heartbeat of this place, which means culture to me, which, yeah. means, which means the texture of, and he took that and he put it into a, uh, a senior role, senior title. And away we went, you know, the role was, was created to scale him and for someone to, in his words, to infuse the agency with empathy. And mm. that continues to be my only job description is touch every single employee and infuse the agency with empathy over and over and over and over again. So I, I owe it all to him and, and, and his branding mind and his creative mind to put it together. And, and I'm glad that it plays to my strengths. And while it is, it is a phenomenal title, it is who I am. And so it makes, it makes, real, it makes sense for me every single day to wake up this way. Well, it must have just felt like you must have just felt it inside when when he called and said, you know, come back and uh, under that that title or that job description, it must have just well literally touched you at your heart or your core. Like this, this is what because that that wasn't your past, right? Like you spent a good decade plus in strategy and accounts and and all of that in, in various agencies, right? Oh yeah, I had a yeah. past as a strategist and. I started in 98 in, in San Francisco as a project manager at like an internet.com company. Yeah. I knew what that was. And Wild. so I, I had done pretty much almost every role in an advertising creative agency. But what really, you know, you said, yes, that much have, must have really touched your heart. It did touch my heart because I felt seen. Mm. And that is one of the only things I want to do all day long, which is to create those spaces where people feel they can be seen. And then in parentheses loved. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm putting, I'm putting parentheses around loved because I know in some workplaces, that's not a word that they're comfortable with yet, but to be seen is to be loved. Of course. So how, how has it been? I mean, in the sense that, because I'm always fascinated with, you know, your work and then just Gary and the, and the whole team. And because it, it almost seems like there's such contrast in the topics when you don't, when you're looking from the outside, right? And even people that come across uh, a lot of Gary's messaging, maybe that's changed over the years, but definitely in the beginning, it's like, you know, it's the hustle, it's this, it's that. And it's the advertising world, which is also notoriously known for like really grinding it out and all of that. So I'm just curious how, how it mechanically works to come and infuse that empathy and, and how those 800 employees have accepted or are adopting that culture. Yeah. So I, there's a couple of things. One, you're right. Gary's messaging has changed it's still very much out there and still very much, you know, quote unquote, in your face, depending on how you digest it. Um, but his messaging is all around kindness, compassion, yeah. uh, respect, believing in yourself. It, he really has taken a little bit of a turn. When any employee starts, they go through a four day orientation and I lead part of that orientation. And it is in my section that they are understanding 
who we are, what we're made of, our guiding principles. They'll see a video of Gary announcing me, why this role, what my remit is. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll they'll hear from me that we trust first. You know, you don't have to mm-hmm. prove your value all of a sudden. Like you got the Willy Wonka, you know, you got the magic ticket there. Like you, you just need to be. And we want mm. to show up consistently and just be. Uh, connection is really important. And so they get to know who we are and what weaves us together, you know, day one for me. And then they go into their teams and they meet tons of other people and they get to hear what, what those people think weaves us together. And of course, there's common denominators, which is people, which is the collaboration, which is the idea that we all believe we're finding right, whatever right is in your world together. You know, the belief that there isn't just one smart person. It's the sum of the parts. And so they get to know our ethos pretty quickly. And then it is exemplified by those people that they, they touch, they see, they sit with, obviously they sit with on screen now. Um, and so it really, I, I believe it mirrors one another, you know, Gary has his messaging and then they get how Claude translates that messaging, which is really, I think a big part of my job every day. (laughs) And then they, you know, they get to then be part of the culture. They are just as responsible for this culture as I am. And it's something I let them know, you know, I'll share with them that first day, like, Hey, this is phenomenal. Like the, the culture isn't just my responsibility or Gary's it's yours and yours and yours. And isn't that amazing? And yeah. you know, that's what I'll say to them. Like, isn't that amazing what you can do with that kind of responsibility and autonomy? You know, amazing. Yeah. So have you, have you seen, I, I'd imagine the answer is yes, but I'd love to, if you have any examples you can share, but have you seen the results of that when it comes to the team's work and how they think? Cause that, you know, this shows widely about or covering thinkers essentially, right. And, and helping people view ideas and challenges and, and whatnot in different ways and, and how people have different thought processes. And this is, this is a completely different way of, I think, approaching, uh, creative work and uh, well, work in general, right? And it's it's something I'd love to hear from your perspective on on how that plays out. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, I'm just going to talk about my team. Sure. The way we go about what normally is called HR, and I am putting that into parentheses, is very different based on the DNA that Gary and I both have. Based on the fact that you know, first off, I changed the name to People and Experience because that's what we're doing. Now that's not any wild creation, but when you sit inside of a department with that title rather than HR right then and there, you know, okay, I'm taking care of people and their experience. Okay. That's a little bit different. And then the way we go and approach people and their growth, their challenges, their difficulties, you know, you name it, the the fact that they need learning, training, development, you know, whatever. The only thing that we do by the book, I would say, is policy. And of course, any kind of like employment law and any kind of bureaucracy that you have to, but everything else, you know, our HR business partners, our PET business partners are scaling me every single day. They are the equivalent of, they are the coach, the mentor, the teacher in some aspects. And so that in itself, I know is not where HR is today. Yeah. That's the first thing I'll just say. And I really give a, a huge shout out to 
to the team because they carry this torch every day. Of course. They know that we are here to serve. Well, even even hearing you say or voice the word HR, uh, it feels it feels so so off from who I know you are, right, in the team. So, I mean, kudos to you guys and, and the whole team for putting that out there because it just it doesn't it doesn't connect. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't connect. And and you you know you you know me well enough to know like it's really a foreign one for me, a foreign yeah. one. So then let's talk about our work. You know, our our creative is the product. That's the end product that any kind of any consumer is going to see, any client's going to see. And so that creative product, for the most part, winds up on your phone, whether or not it's in TikTok, whether or not it's in Insta, you, you know, you name it. One of the things that we've come out with very recently, I would say in the last year, is something called the volume model, the Vayner volume model. It takes Gary's approach, which he has been sharing online for free for so long. And now we're actually doing it with brands, which is a disruption in the advertising and marketing world. Yeah. We are saying you don't need a 30-second TV spot. In fact, don't use your money there. In fact, what we want to do is go deep in the insights. We want to study what your what your consumers are saying online, right? We want to find these kind of these moments in time these little niche moments in time where someone is talking about your brand in some like weird way or some very different way. And we want to capitalize on that in the moment. We want to create creative, create copy, whatever that piece of whatever that product is and create it fast. Mm -hmm. And that could be, you know, quick uh, avant-garde, like, you know, videos that we, we slice up. That could be a fun TikTok, but it's fast, 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 fast. And then, of course, we have a slew of what we call post-creative strategists that are sitting there after we put the piece out. And it's, it's quasi-community management, which isn't new, but these people are actually trained strategists to then get the insights. It's not just community management right back to, you know, Mr. or Mrs. whomever wrote about, you know, plant yeah. nuts. It's to really then almost regurgitate the model again and find those insights and here we go again and again. That is, there's no one that's doing that type of work right now. Sure. So I think that is very new and different in terms of, you know, we have creators on staff. We call them creators. They all have to have, they all come to us with deep video editing capabilities, you know, and by the way, they're all for the most part, like Gen Z's. Yeah. (laughs) But our thought on how we go about speaking to clients about this new way of thinking is quite frankly, very rogue for them. And yeah, sometimes we have to do the normal 30 or the normal, whatever it is. And that's okay. But we go into that with eyes wide open. Sure. We go sure. Into these conversations with eyes wide open. So those are just, you know, those are just a couple examples of what I believe we're doing in a very creative, in a very creative way and disruptive way that works for us and which, which will keep us, I think, inventing, 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 because, you know, we've got that momentum behind you. You know, it's like, I've never run a marathon. However, I would imagine if you run a marathon once and you do it, you've got the momentum behind your back to do it again and to do it again and to do it again. You know, you can do it. Sure. You've done it. You've surprised yourself. So I imagine it's, it's kind of like that feeling. Yeah. So then I, 
I imagine too, just where all the, like the empathy plays in and just the focus on everyone's, well, health and mindset and, and the fact that you're coaching and whatnot allows the team to handle the pressure of that speed. Yeah. Right. Right. So the speed is, uh, it, it is fast. Yeah. Uh, we are virtual. We are dealing with, you know, life on life's terms, which means we are dealing with human beings that have been now isolated from one another and isolated in some way, shape or form from their world, the family, everything that you and I have gone through as well. Um, and, uh, and they're dealing with their own emotional health and wellness. So yeah, you have to take in, you have to take into consideration who this person is even before they walk on the, on the screen, even before they get onto the screen at nine o'clock or they get onto the screen for that brainstorming meeting. And that's something I think we do very well, which is the consideration that people come to work, get on screen, walk into the office, whatever it is, already having had three hours, two hours of life, which mm. impact who they are, which is sure. to impact what they do and the, you know, the gusto, the speed or the non-speed in which they go about their day, whatever they're, you know, whatever they're doing. And so, what we've done with our leadership teams is we, first and foremost, we brought in um, life coaching for everyone, high performance and life coaching for every single employee. So that's almost a thousand people globally, Wow, which is amazing. And for our leadership team, our leaders that are leading these departments, they have all, they all go through one-on-one -on -one high performance coaching with okay. a, we call it the Handel group. And it's been pretty phenomenal. You know, this company has helped us at scale identify, you know, where we're kind of like not having the hard conversations because either we, oh, we don't want to hurt that person. So we're chickening out. We don't want to give them, you know, objective, subjective, uh, some kind of like, you know, dare I say the word feedback, but, you know, review, um, uh, because we don't want to hurt their feelings or because we just are like, eh, they don't really need it. I'm going to go ahead and do the work. Sure. We've been able to look at our own behaviors. And by looking at your own behaviors and becoming more self-aware, don't you become more self-compassionate? And then don't you become more compassionate and kind and understanding and yes, empathetic? Nine out of 10 times you do. Of course. How, I, I, I did want to ask you about the pandemic because I was thinking of you and, and obviously, you know, the fact that there, there are so many people that you're uh, accountable to, right? As, as the chief heart officer, like the moment where you realized, okay, this, this is a pandemic, right? There's, we all have a diff, probably a different moment. Like, okay, this isn't just uh, some sort of flu happening and, and whatnot, or it seems to be a disruption in travel. Like there was a moment. How did you, like, what was your thought process there? Yeah. How did you like kind of step back and be like, okay, what are we going to do? It's a really, it's such a good question because, um, I, you know, I, I knew something was coming in February. Like we all did. We were all looking at the news. I'm not one of those people that goes to anxiety. So yeah. literally a few people at work started to really started to really spin and, and spin and spin. And then of course they created waves of their own spinning and we had more anxiety on the floor. So before, even before March and before certainly March 11th, when we sent everyone home, I had to kind of do triage just with the anxiety that was on the floor. You know, yeah. I ask, I mean, I in particular remember one conversation in my office saying to this person, like, 
I, I get that you have anxiety and I guess this is really messing you up. And so I'm going to ask you to go home now and just work from home for until whenever, until yeah. we all reemerge. So it was kind of like doing little mini triage there over indexing on my communication to the entire company, you know, on global levels. And then finally, when we decided to, you know, we knew we had to go send everyone home. It's because uh, the virus had come into the building. Okay. Then it's like, okay, there's elevators, there's bathrooms. There's all of those things that we, you know, have to think about from a office facility Mm -hmm. uh, um, viewpoint. And then we had to send people home and go through what that kind of triage looked like, you know, getting people home safely, making sure that they had what they need, that they had the bandwidth they, you know, that they needed that, you know, parents, I mean, you know, we've all had to be stay at home parents now. And, and for that duration of time, we couldn't have anyone in the house to be, to do childcare. So, you know, it was a lot of um, communication, communication over communication what I can say is it was a new form of communication for us. And that is something I'm really, I'm excited that we now know how to do quickly. Okay. Because what do you, yeah. What do you mean by that? So sure. Have I sent out all company wide memos? Thousand percent. But yeah. have I sent out all company wide memos saying, uh, America, uh, New York, you're going to go home. LA, you're not going to be home yet. <laughs> Fair. Going home. Here's a list of you know um, activities you can do with your kids, and here's where you go get office equipment. And here, you know, or um, Singapore is going through their own, you know, like links out to videos from yeah. the, uh, Singapore MD. I mean, just I think the gathering of information and intel to make sure that our people felt safe in the arms of Vayner. Sure. Well, and at the speed of the change. Speed of the change. And so, you know, I couldn't go, oh, what did they do? In 1977, what did IBM do? Oh, like there wasn't a pandemic. You know, oh, what did Airbnb do five years? Oh, there wasn't a pandemic. Yeah. We all were writing the book ourselves. And what was so beautiful is that there were a lot of open source documents for people in my uh, my world, you know, people, leaders, leadership, HR, um, that were available online. And so we could look at, there were certainly weren't best practices because there was no best yet. Sure. <laughs> best practices. But, um, that was really awesome to see people sharing. And why did we share? We shared for really one, one main point is because we're humans and we care about one another. That's why we wanted to be helpful and share in our groups, but we wanted to get our people safe. Of course. Like that, when I think about, you know, I have an enormous belief in humanity, but when I think about that moment in time, like for all of the people out there that actually feel like they're, oh, they're, they're, oh, soft skills or, you know, that they're curmudgeons, they were there doing it too. They were caring about people. And, yeah. you know, this idea, Mark, about, you know, bringing heart to the workplace, bringing love into the workplace, really truly putting your people first, truly that is new. That is new. And the output of that, yes, of course it's retention and it's word of mouth referrals and it's happier, healthier employees or employees that feel like they're being seen from a DE&I perspective. Yes, that's table stakes though. 
Mm. truly believe it's when someone gets on screen with me or someone writes me a note to say, this is the best decision they ever made to come to Vayner. Like that is what the payoff is to me. Of course. Shout out uh, about an employee that would probably take me a long time to find, you know, um, a, a shout out that this, you know, this employee like did something outstanding or wrote a great tweet or went the extra mile for a client. Like these are things that I know they, they might seem simple and they might seem unnecessary, but they are extremely necessary. They are the only thing that matters is our people and how we treat them. Yeah. And it's just, it's just packed with such, such meeting, right? It's, um, it's nice to hear and nice to see. And, you know, I expect nothing obviously, but that from, from you and the team, but it's, it's nice to see, examples and, and how you handled that. And we're still going through it, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mark, I want to tell you about one other thing. Um, if we have time. Yeah. So, um, you know, so my, my day is spent either reaching out to people proactively, people reach out to me proactively, 15 minute meetings or, or, you know, jam sessions with more people. And in December I got on zoom, you know, with my meeting and let's say the person's name was Eric. Um, and Eric had proactively reached out to me and Eric comes on screen and he's uh, hi, how are you? Great. Um, he said, well, Chris told me I should reach out to you. And I said, Oh, Chris is great. We've worked so well together. Oh God, I've known Chris for years now. I'm really psyched on what a leader he is. Why did he tell you to reach out to me? Well, I'm, I'm going through a lot of depression. And in that moment, there was never a question in my mind what I was going to do, but in that moment, someone could have said, well, let me give you a, a, a pamphlet on the EAP, or let me send you a list of all the therapists. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. That, yeah. that is taking care of your people in a very generic way. But what I ended up saying, and, and this isn't to toot my own horn, this is what I believe our leaders do differently. As I said to him, what do you do when you have a bout of depression? What do you do when the sadness comes up? Right? I know what that's like. Yeah. I'm human. Of course. <laughs> right there, like being, being vulnerable and say, what, what do you do? You know, I, I, I can tell you what I do. He said, I write poetry. I said, I would be so honored if you read me some poetry. He said, only if you read me your favorite poem. So, I mean, whoever asks me to do that. And so I pulled up Walcott's Love After Love and read it, you know, chills. He has chills and he reads me three of his poems and we're crying on screen. Wow. I mean, I have chills talking about it. Of course. In the meeting, it was more than 15 minutes. He said, I can see why Chris told me to come talk to you. And right there, it wasn't about Claude. It was, he's going to go back to talk to his friends. And the next person that says to him, hey, I'm struggling or whatever. And he's going to say, you can go talk to X, Y, and Z. You're going to be seen. You're mm-hmm. you, you, you will know that you matter. Stunning. Stunning. Well, and I hope I, I, you know, I hope everyone listening just have some, you know, some ideas. Cause I mean, we're all, we're all going through this together. And this was part of the reason I really wanted to chat with you is to stimulate some, some different thought, whether it's people leading teams, whether you're working yourself, um, it doesn't matter. It's just really putting, you know, putting, putting your mind, your heart, your body, putting that, that first and everything else follows. If, if, if is you know, those parts of your body are, are in alignment, right? Yeah. And if they're not in alignment, it's okay to talk about. 
Yeah, of course. Yes. That's like, yeah. that's like, so you and I are like, yeah, of course it is because we, you know, we've, we've been on this planet for a while, but when you tell a 23 year old, like, it's okay, I'm here. I have your back in the workplace. That's very different. Yes. And that's, that's the beauty I think of for me being a chief heart officer is, and, and what I did my entire life up until I got this great title, there are so many of me's out there title or not title. It doesn't matter. Just someone that will go just that extra inch to say, reach out on Slack, reach out here and just say, Hey, how are you doing? Haven't caught up in a while. Hey, how's it going? Hey, notice you did this. Just that little bit of recognition to even people like us. Too. Yeah, no, no, well, you're human, right? You need it as well, <laughs> for sure. But I believe, you know, back to what this, this podcast is about, is I believe when you can help someone take care of themselves, right? I can't change anyone's behavior, and I certainly can't fix that person's depression. But what, when I can be part of their journey and ride as a passenger, which is empathy to me, I do believe when, when someone feels seen or held, they are able to, in some way, shape, or form, move through that burden and into something that could be phenomenally creative. Mm-hmm. Use that in a different way, knowing that there's a safety net under them in the workplace. Yeah. Well, I think what happens you know, it's just that it, it's really hard to create or to see the, the next steps forward, whether that's on strategy or whether you're a designer trying to, you know, design something out. It's like, it's hard to, to really operate from a place of clarity if you're fogged with all these thoughts and emotions that are you know very much justified right now and what's going on. But it's, it's like pushing a boulder up a mountain. You can, you'll get it, you can get it done. Yeah but it's a hell of a journey to, to do that. Right. And if we can take away some of that pressure, then, I mean, everyone wins. Everyone, everyone. Everyone. And that's the thing about, you know, it's not, there's not just one smart person in the room or on the zoom screen, everyone. It's the sum. We all win. When you win, I win. When I win, you win. And, and like, it's that is uh, gosh, I really I know they teach that in kindergarten. I'm sure they do, but I do need I do need to say they need to be teaching that in like seventh through twelfth, and then in, in yeah. college too, right? For sure, yeah. There, I mean, there's so much we can we can I mean learn from obviously kids, and I know your daughter uh, is young, and I'm sure you're picking up on a lot of or being reminded of, of things like that, right. With their curiosity and they're just no, no limit kind of thinking. And they're just not jaded from society and whatnot to the point where the team here actually at Baron Fig, we did it today. And I, I was, it was my job to lead this, uh, every Thursday since being remote, we just get together for 30 minutes and we, it's like a little powwow and we usually play some sort of virtual game. Yeah. And, uh, today's topic, or I brought it in with the team, and this was inspired by my five-year-old. I'm like, let's do show and tell. Like we used to do that all the time when we're four or five. My five-year-old's doing it, and just I don't know, pick something from the house that you're, you know, that has some sort of story or sentimental value, and it was a blast. You know, I got to learn so much about the team members like that, and it just made me think that we we forget to play. Yeah, you know, 
we forget to play and, and that we also need rituals. Yes. You know, and in the office, in the office, the rituals, a high five or a handshake, you know, and now we have to find new rituals, which is every Thursday you get together for a 30 minute meeting, you know, or every Monday there's a stand up meeting or, you know, in my team, we do scavenger hunts. Oh, cool. People still do wine Wednesdays, whatever it is, but those rituals are really important in tribes and in communities. And that's what we are. So true. Well, speaking of that, right before we wrap, I did want to ask you a little bit about your days, just like how your your mornings are set up and your evenings and whatnot. And I know in between that, it's probably a bit variable and uh, there are many meetings and, and like you said, 15 minute sessions and other Zoom calls and whatnot. But I'm curious, just how do you how do you start your day to keep your either either prime your mind or keep your mind clear and then end your day to, you know, kind of rinse and repeat so that you you're you're able to be there for so many people. Yeah. The in in by the way, and what you're asking about are like what are my morning rituals, quite frankly. Speaking of rituals, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh my morning ones are not anything groundbreaking. I mean I, I get up and I go and get coffee. I drink water and I get coffee. Yeah. I might have if I'm lucky, I might have a few minutes and I mean a few minutes before my daughter wakes up. But most yeah. often I'm getting her up. Okay. And then we have a ritual together. Mm, that's we nice. Snuggle time in bed. You know, then we might do an ABC song and we might, you know, we might do something for a half an hour for our, you know, my partner and, and, and my daughter. So then we have that time, which is just really, you know, yummy oxytocin, like, you know, family time. And then, you know, then the day begins and it's like shower. I always block off. Um, I, you know, my calendar says from eight 45 to nine, no, no, nothing there. So okay. really I'm starting, I start my meetings around nine 30. Okay. Unless I'm talking to, um, like Singapore or London, the end of the day for me is, is mine. Mm. That's a me time. And so the end of the day, uh, after I put her to bed is always, you know, and we do our own rituals, bed and bath books and all that, um, is cooking, which I really enjoy. I love okay. it. And then I always do a meditation at night and I'll use different apps or I'll use podcasts. Uh, but that is six out of seven nights. I'll, I'll do a meditation before I go to bed. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like how you, you're playing around with different apps and trying different things. Cause I feel like I, and maybe it's just personally, I resonate with that as well. Cause I feel like sometimes we get so stuck on, you know, we I have to do this meditation or I have to do this thing and giving yourself the permission to experiment and play around, I think just makes it more, uh, more realistic that you're going to stick with it. Right. That's exactly right. Because I'm glad you mentioned that because for me, finding the ones that I like is like finding cool songs on Spotify. Yeah, totally. You no, know, I'm not doing TM or anything. I'm doing Claude needs to unwind and empty her yeah. pocket so she can sleep through the night. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. What's it going to be? And you know, last night it was visualization of waves. I really knew last night I wanted waves and I found it, you know, and and, you know, some nights it's body scans and, and uh, some nights it's Tara Brock and doing some, you know, yeah. Buddhist uh, meditation. I mean, whatever you need, whatever, whatever you need. So 
Amazing. I poke around. Can you leave us with one thing to think about in this time? I mean, just based on our, our conversation, just leave the the listeners with, I don't know, it might be something that's been on your mind or something that people can walk away with, uh, an insight or something that, that's come up for you in the last little while. Um, there's there's a, a few things that are on my mind. The the most basic one I'm just gonna that I would ask every single listener to do is to reach out after listening to this. Literally, press stop, get on your phone, and text someone that you haven't texted in like I don't know two weeks, and just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you." That would be the first. So nice. Send a heart, send a smiley face, but do something. Take an action for someone else because sharing, giving that person attention or giving them the generosity of your heart, not only is going to make them feel so good, it's going to make you feel so good. Oh, for sure. Again, it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Well, that is a wrap for today's Thinker Talk. Claude, where can listeners connect with you? Yeah, please, uh, please find me, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, my website, claudesilver.com. I'd love to hear from you. Amazing. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Links are available in our show notes. Remember to subscribe to Eureka if you dig what we are up to. Until next time. Bye.